Alright, so we're just going to do a brief little overview about the little window we had in January where we had two friendlies against Serbia and Colombia. In both of these games, we saw a bunch of young, new faces that we hadn't got a chance to see. And Luke is going to touch on this a little bit too, but I think my standout performer that I was most impressed by was Cade Cal. He looked extremely good on the ball, extremely dangerous. He had um, that little sequence where he took two shots off the post and probably, I think it was within like 30 seconds of each other's take. He looked very dangerous, very dangerous. And besides that, I mean, there were there were some there were some other good performers, but I think it it just shows us where we're at right now. We don't have a we don't have a manager, we don't have a GM. We're on an interim manager in a situation where we're playing a system of the previous manager while we're waiting for a new manager. Where it could be our Hawks going back also, which Luke also has thoughts on. I do. Um, you know, I'm not a huge Burhalter fan. I think he did a good job for the U.S. while he was there. Um, but I really do think there are other managers out there who we'll touch on a little later on the podcast can really unlock the potential of this young, exciting, and really quite creative team that we can put together. Um, so I would just really prefer to see, you know, the U.S. Federation go in a different direction than going back to Greg, who definitely did an admiral jo- admiral job while he was there. But I would prefer a different choice. So, Luke, did you have anybody that stood out to you in this little two-game segment? Um, I think Cade Cal, but it was also nice to see Vasquez get a goal in the U.S. jersey. Yeah. I feel like it was really good for him um, and his role in the U.S. squad going forward. You know, hopefully he's battling out for a position. Um, I think there's going to be some I, – I would not be able to predict who our striker will be in 2026 at this point. I think it's going to be quite difficult because all these players are developing quite quickly. I do think Vasquez will need to probably stay in the MLS maybe another year, but if he wants to be in contention for 2026 or Copa America, he definitely has to be moving to a bigger club at some point. So I have thoughts about the striker row, but we'll talk about that later whenever we kind of dive deep on other on European-based players. That sounds good. Um, so let's move on to the Columbia match that the U.S. played. Um, this was the second friendly of this little international window that we played with our non-European players. And it ended up being a nil-nil draw. Um, excuse the accent there, it comes out on that word. But I think the main the main performer here that showed the most promise at his age was probably Paxton Aarons. And he it felt like he was just like Brendan where he was on the ground being fouled 24-7. Um, he had a knack for being in the right place at the right time, but also kind of showed his youth. I think there were times where he showed he doesn't have quite the strength that he might need or just kind of the situational awareness. He definitely has that maneuverability to get him out of tight spaces that is kind of inherent to his brother's play as well, and you can see the same in him. But at the same time, I think there's there's a lot of growth there, but I was very excited with what I saw. Yeah, un- understood. I think... Um I agree with you, Luke, but I think we also really saw that at this point he is extremely young, and physically I just don't think he's there right now to really compete at the at a top, top level, which he's going to have to grow very quickly if he wants to play at, at Frankfurt. 
I agree with that, but I think we've discussed this before. I do somewhat push back on the notion that you have to be getting game time immediately at a young age like this. There's something to be said for being a one of the young upcoming Bundesliga clubs in the league that is going to be a great place for him to learn in. I really think it's going to be good for his growth, and eventually he will break through in the squad. If not, he'll get loaned out for a spell to somewhere else. But I really do think taking that next step and putting yourself in that position to be able to succeed on a bigger stage is what's going to give him the opportunity to become, you know, maybe break in the U.S. starting 11 in the next four or five, however long down the road. But this is definitely going to be an investment for the long term. So another person we forgot to mention was Douglas Lomita. He was extremely – he was great in the first game. He looked – honestly, it's something where I wish he would have started the second game too because we know what Sean Johnson is. We know what he brings. And then we have an 18-year-old who's playing at Chelsea that played awesome in the first match. In the second match, you don't give him a start. To me, I mean, it's not even really – there, there shouldn't be fitness issues. There shouldn't be anything else going on. So I wish we could have seen him a second time. But he made a couple great saves in that first match. So it was – Exciting just to see him out there on the pitch for playing for the U.S. I'm really happy we got him. Me too. Me too. I I think we'll um, probably wrap on that for these performances. And for one final quick little note, I, I honestly did really enjoy watching um, Acosta play in the last match against Colombia. I felt like his presence and his ability to kind of control the midfield really shown through in this match. I thought it was one of the better performances from him I've seen. We all know that in over the past MLS season, he was a really kind of steady asset for LAFC. Um, so it was, it was good to see that from a U.S. perspective. I think that there was some pushback to some of the players that were put on the squad that got on the plane to go to Qatar. But he, he felt like someone who definitely kind of earned a spot, from my perspective at least. I agree. I think he's... Um especially in that position for what we have to offer right now. It was Tyler Adams, and that's about it. So I think he has a viable spot for the next um, three years, three, four years until we see somebody else come up, which I, I honestly am not informed enough to tell you about who we have coming up from that role. Because I'm sure there's some there's options out there, but right now Acosta is easily the number two behind Adams in that position. Agreed with that. Agreed. Uh, I think with that, we'll probably wrap upon these two friendlies that just have occurred for the USMNT. And next, we'll move on to some of the club performances from individual players that are um, competing within European squads. All right, now we're kind of going to focus on our little baby eagles playing abroad over in Europe and their club performances. And if you've been paying attention, there's only one place we can open up on right now. And that is on the Prince Who Was Promised Gio Reyna. We are not worthy. He's been a topic of discussion the last month and a half during this Bundesliga break from after the World Cup because of all the drama going on with his parents and Greg Berhalter and all that stuff happening. We'll, we'll decide not to go into that, but yeah, I'm we're, sure we're not, we're not it's, it. it's out there on the internet if you want to go yeah, find everybody it. Everybody knows about it. We don't, we're not diving into the details of it. The point is, is that he's been in the focal point of discussion on world football stage for reasons he didn't want to be. And so he decides to 
come back from the World Cup after having a disappointing World Cup, even he would admit. And he just decides to score two winners for Dortmund and putting them back in a title race with Bayern Munich. Yeah, those I was not watching the first winner that he put home, but the second, it was just it was a beautiful poacher's goal. It was a goal scorer's finish. He on the corner, I I know we'll get we'll come back to the first one. I just the second one, I think it just spoke to his situational awareness just to drift to the back post and be waiting there for a tap in. It was it was impressive, but not as impressive as the first winner that uh, Paul do you want to set the stage for this one you can I just I have to say that for him to take the touch he did in the situation being drawing three to three in a match where they need three points it was really quite impressive to see the way that he struck the ball puts it in the top corner and really really just did such a great job of finishing there um, so we'll, we'll come back to Gio Reyna a little bit. I think there's a lot to be said on his situation at Dortmund and where he finds himself currently, but I think I'll go ahead and just kind of dive into the next player that I wanted to discuss. Um, and the one that I wanted to highlight for my first baby Eagle that I thought should be noted is that of Taylor Booth. Um, he is currently playing over in the Netherlands. Um, and putting in a really good string of performances. He has um, kind of really jumped up onto the USMNT Twitter radar as of late. There have been a, I've seen a fair amount of videos and comments coming out about the way in which he's performing. Um, and I just, I feel like it should be noticed. I mean, he was voted the Eredivisie um, Player of the Month back in, I believe it was, what was it, November, December? Um, and that's... That's a really solid lead to be getting the notoriety that he is. Um, he, it honestly seems like he's slowly becoming a club favorite as well. Um, and that's at the young age of, I believe he's 21. Let me check and make sure. Yes, yeah, so he's 21. It, it really seems like his market value will be going up pretty quickly if he continues to get these results. Um, and honestly, just put in really solid performances against really solid teams in the air divisie. He's got a total of two goals throughout the season, three assists, with an average match rating, according to FootMob, as a 7.2. Um, and that's that's pretty good for someone who's just trying to get their footing and um, grow. So I think that's about all I need to say for Taylor Booth and his growth um, over the past year or so. But I think we'll go back to Paul now, and he'll talk about his next performer that he wants to highlight. So... This is somebody we all have really been wishing we could have seen play at the World Cup is Chris Richards. He has been extremely good for Crystal Palace over the last month. I think um, when we saw that transfer to Crystal Palace, it, to me it didn't feel like a long shot. I think some people thought it was a long shot that he wasn't going to get the opportunities to play there. But his ability to play the ball and be ever-present as a center back and his long frame, I think it makes him, an, non, with, without injuries, I think it makes him one of our best starting center backs for maybe the next possibly 10 years or more. I mean, 
if you think about the World Cup, one of our standout performers was Tim Ream, just for his ability to play the ball and to be in the right position all the time. And I think Chris Richards at the age of, I think he's 20, 20 or 21, around that, t- around that age. At this point, he is he's showing signs that he has the athletic ability that Tim Ream does not have. He, I, I agree, he does. And I think we one thing we always talk about is his ball-playing ability. At the age of 21, he does such a great job of distributing the ball as well. But he, you know, he's he's a brick wall back there, and he does a really good job. And we, I think we worried about his translation into the Premier League, what that was going to mean for him, how would he transition. And it almost seems like this injury that he had probably allowed him time to grow into the league a little bit, understand what the levels were going to be by seeing training day in, day out being at the matches, understanding what the environment would be like, being in an English Premier League club. And it, it since he started playing, which is two matches at this point where he started in a row, he's put in great performances. Um, and it, I think it's Player really... Crystal Palace. Yeah. It's, it's really refreshing to see that. Um, I think we all knew he had it in him, but it, it is different um, when you're transitioning into a Premier League club. There's always going to be an enormous microscope on you with a lot of pressure. And it seems like as of now, he's that that's not phasing him one bit. I think, um, too, one of the main things that we really want to see from this point with our beloved baby eagles is we just want them to find homes where they can be successful and get game time and grow to become the best player they can be. And I think Chris Richards has found that. And I think a lot of the guys we've talked that we're going to, we've talked about today, I mean, I think it's you. We have to look at it from a sustainability perspective. Of are they going to have a long term run at this club and be a valued member of their team where they can grow? And I think he checks that box. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I, I think he. I think he does too. But I also, I think there's been a lot that's come out from Vieira, one of the best, one of the best people to ever play the game, um, who read the game exceptionally well. He's come out and said that he loves what he's doing defensively while he's been starting. But he also made comments about he wants him to play with more confidence. Um, and that I think that it's understood that's going to come with time. Once he gets those reps and really has a feel for the game, that confidence is going to continue to grow. But if you're getting your manager making comments about that, I think that he needs to probably take a couple more risks. You know, take the right ones. You don't want to be creating... Um, creating a situation where you make a calamitous mistake, and that's what he becomes known for for the next couple of matches. That's that's not what he's saying. Just be a little bit more courageous, co- building out from the back, um, and take the take those chances when you see it. And I think that if he does that, he could really be competing for a starting eleven spot when Crystal Palace is fully healthy. I agree. Um, I think next week I kind of want to pivot towards more so the striker role. And we have a couple guys in Europe right now that are doing extremely well, but number one on that list right now is Florian Ballon, who actually is dual national England and um, United States. Well, yeah, Paul, I, th- I think you said that, and Marquinhos and um, Donnarumma were twitching a little bit. They they got scared when they heard that name again. Yeah, I think they, I think they were. They were um, having <laughs> flashbacks right there. They were. What a beautiful finish. Yeah, I mean, he's he's on 11 goals right now in uh, Ligue 1. 
and that 11 goals, one assist, he is standing out, which is kind of scary for us because England may make more of a push to keep him, which, I mean, if, I, if I'm looking at it from a perspective, I think he was born in the United States. I Just cannot comment on that. I do not know for certain. I, I could be talking out of my ass here, but I think he was born in, like, the New York area. And, I mean, it would be awesome. Uh, just imagining him up front with his speed and his ability to finish with Pulisic on the right or Reina on the – or Pulisic on the left, Reina on the right. With I mean, there, there's so many possibilities here we could think about, but he's somebody that really I think we should pursue very hard because if you look at the striker position, I mean, I think we have good options. I mean, Pepe, who knows what he's going to turn into. He's doing very well right now. And then you look at Josh Sargent. I think Sargent has – a ton of potential, a ton of places he can go with his career. But right now, I mean, I think there's a clear number one, number nine for us. What do you think, Luke? I, I agree. I think that there's a lot of growth that can happen for all of these strikers that are competing. Um, so it, it'll be very important to keep watching their performances, see how they're playing for their clubs, who's making those progressive moves that are putting them in a tough situation where they're forced to grow, but also one that they can grow to be kind of comfortable in. Not that we necessarily want them to become stagnant being at their club, but we want them to be tested at a higher level than somewhere where they're just, you know, poaching goals and not really putting in a performance that's making them grow. Um, and I, as, yeah. I, as I mentioned earlier, I really think there's something to be said for being at a club where you're training with top-notch players. You see the levels day in, day out, and that can directly translate into these really, really big gro growth phases as a player. You know? Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's kind of just building off what I was saying with Paxton Aarons and in all reality. Yeah. Um, is there anybody you want to touch on next, Luke? Anybody on your list? Yes. So the next player that I want to talk about is the one and only Weston McKinney. Uh, yeah. Um, this has been grabbing some headlines as of late. He has made a move to Leeds United, which I know I continually bring up on this podcast, and I apologize, but it is kind of the club that I've really grown into over the last two years or so. So um, I guess it's just going to be perpetually on this podcast. So I, I do apologize if you don't like Leeds United, but it's going to keep coming up. Whether or not you like it, it's here to stay. Um, so with Weston, there's I found an interesting comparison where they are analyzing his performance compared to Enzo Fernandez, who was just signed by Chelsea for a shocking amount. Um, that I do think he's an excellent player, but it is a lot of money to be paying for someone post World Cup. Um, and so this going back to the stat I was talking about or I guess I should say statistical analysis. There's an analysis between Weston McKinney of Leeds now, Enzo, Enzo Fernandez of Chelsea, Moses Caicedo of Brighton, Mudrick of Chelsea, Luka Modric of Real Madrid, and Casemiro of Manchester United. So they go through and analyze a wealth of stats from all of these players, and it, it is quite shocking to see the way in which Weston kind of seemingly fits into this group. Um, as far as passing goes, 
he's looking at an 80% completion rate with Casemiro having 77% completion rate. Uh, Modric is at a 87.3 completion rate for every pass that he makes. And shockingly, but not so shockingly, Moses Caicedo is at 87.9% completion for all of his passes. Um, and that just kind of goes to show that there's a reason why Brighton was not willing to pay the pl- price tag for him, that, or I guess accept the price tag um, that Arsenal was putting out there because he is a very well-rounded young player that is going to have a very bright future and accepting anything other than what they expect is his market value to be, they're doing themselves a disservice. Um, so kind of diving more into those stats... I think that, um, let's see, so if we look at shot creating actions, so basically these are going to be actions that directly lead to a shot, so it could be through passing, through dribbling, or drawing a foul. Number one on that list is Enzo Fernandez, and then Weston McKinney is second on this list with 17 shot chance creation attempts, shot chance, excuse me shot creating actions um so it it is interesting to see this um because with Leeds, i think he's going to be in a very forward facing role i would love to see him as a box to box um that allows brendan aronson to stay on as the 10 but um i think jesse marsh is going to have to tinker around with the wealth of um attacking options that he has at his disposal do you think this gets um that they do go Brendan out of the starting eleven league. Um, I'm not sure. It, it's difficult to say because Aronson can play on the left. He can play on the right. He can play in the middle. So it, it's going to be difficult to say. And Jesse Marsh has been wanting to play a four-three-three as of late. He kind of implemented that after the January window, um, January break, I should say, after the World Cup. So um, it, we'll we'll see kind of what formation he's playing. I think that it'll be fun to watch, regardless. Yeah. I agree. I mean, we always know we we t- as we talk about Leeds, as you mentioned, they are always going to be fun. They're always going to be entertaining. I think Weston's personality, his style of play, fits Leeds extremely well for what they want to do. If we can get him back to the form he was in last year, whenever he was playing in World Cup qualifiers and he was dominating teams, he lo- last year during work, he looked like he could have played for any team in the world, and then he went through that string of injuries, which. No blame on him. It happens. But I, I still don't think he's reclaimed the best form that he was in last year. And if he can find that, I think he's going to just fly at Leeds. I think he's going to do awesome. If they, if Leeds can stay up this year, which I, I think they will. They've, they've got a lot of talent. They're they're going to be fun to watch for the next couple of years with all our, our little baby eagles flying around. They definitely will be. I think that kind of highlights the wealth of attacking options they have. Um, I think that... Ferber was a great signing at the back for them, um, and they they have all these attackers they can use. But going back to McKinney, I think that one of the key stats that really stands out for him um, when comparing him to other midfielders is he ranked in the 90th percentile in progressive passes received within the opponent's box. That That's going to be huge for him. So... He, I, I saw an interview with him talking with Tyler Adams, and he was talking about how he loves being able to get forward and come back defensively. So he, he has a high motor. He wants to be moving. He wants to be attacking. 
but he, I think he there's also a certain level of defending that he does appreciate as well. Yeah. Um, and I think with his running mate Tyler Adams next to him, if he's playing, if Weston's playing that box to box, and Tyler has a more of the de- defensive responsibility, I think it could be a great pairing. Um, and I'm just I'm excited to watch him play for Leeds. Yeah. Honestly, I, I agree, Luke. Um, they complement each other extremely well. They really do. Like for what, like exactly what you just said, and what Weston wants to do, Tyler doesn't want to do, and what Weston doesn't want to do, Tyler wants to do. Like there's there's things that, and like I think Tyler Adams has shown us this year too that I mean he's a good ball player, and I didn't realize how much he had that in his locker, but he can do that. Weston can do that, and I don't know. I think Mark Rocca may be put on the bench or. At least May, he's, maybe he's got to raise his level because there's been a lot of moments this year where he's disappointed me. He has right, and I think that it's it's going to be difficult for Jesse because there's a lot of options, like we've said. So going through that progression of kind of filtering through to find the right players that's going to upset some people. Um, and I just hope everyone manages it. it well. It is, it is undoubtedly part of it. But the last thing I want to highlight with Weston is that. Where Leeds United currently is, they are close, if not in a relegation battle. And he has been through that already through the course of his career. He played at Schlocka um, in the Bundesliga for four years. Did I say that wrong? Um, I think so, but I'm also don't Schlocke. speak. I also don't fluently speak German, so I'm not sure. I'll, I'll look that one up and get it right next time. We'll do our fact checking. We, we will review that one. Um, throw the red flag on that, but um, so he has uh, basically he's he played over five thousand minutes for this club, right? Um, and they really had like a go to work, really just put in the time, Blue dig college. it out mentality. And I think there's something to be said. Leeds plays a more kind of aggressive style. They don't sit as deep. They're out. They're venturing out of their box and really pushing. So I think he has that mentality of fighting for every possible ball not giving up on anything but he also has a high skill level as well so i think this is going to be a really nice fit for him but um we can move on paul what player do you want to highlight next maybe we'll wrap on this one after that um i think on a little bit of a downer note not to be a downer i'm extremely worried about serginio dest right now he has highlighted that in the system we played in the last probably three four years is that he's necessary for us to play to the best version of the USMNT can get to. But he just can't find a club situation that works for him right now. At Barcelona, I mean, they're they're treating him like he's like Jackie Moon being traded for a, for a fridge right now at this point. I mean, he just he can't find a home. And he goes to AC Milan where it hasn't really worked for him there. So he's probably going to end up back at Barcelona. And we don't know what's going to happen. I think... Ideally for me, I would really love if he ended up maybe in a lower league. Not low, but one of the top five leagues, but maybe somewhere where his strengths are going to be highlighted instead of him just going to places where his weaknesses, which we understand he does have deficiencies in areas. But, I mean, he defended great at the World Cup. He was put in the right situation. He handled it. And he was he was a standout player for us. So I I would just love to see him be given the tools for his own success you know and i think the worrisome thing from there if if you're a Des fan 
if you if he looks over his shoulder, Joe Scally is right there pushing for a spot. And Joe Scally is getting 90 minutes every week in one of the top three to four leagues in the world, in my opinion, um, playing in the Bundesliga. And I really just... Dusty's going to have to find a place where he can get game time, but he has to keep growing as a player too. So taking a step down might be good for him for a year, somewhere where he can just get those 90 minutes in, really just continue growing. Um, but... He's in a tough spot, and I hope that he makes the right decisions for himself, gets to a good place, and really just kind of comes back. And um, we, we know he has the talent to be at a top club where he can put in really impressive performances. So it's just about finding that confidence, the match fitness, and growing into that player that we really know he can be. Yeah, I think um, another little side note here is that there is – a current rumor going around on Twitter, which, yes, I live on Twitter. I'm sorry. That Jedi Robinson could be heading to Man City in the summer, which I don't know how I feel about that. I just want to say it's been about a day and a half since Zhao Cancelo, the news broke about him transferring to Bayern Munich, and I'm still in shock. I cannot believe that he's gone. There are some rumors circulating around about what possibly precipitated this final event of him just disappearing in the middle of the night and ending up in Munich. But I I just can't believe it still. It's crazy that he's not in a Manchester City kit. It is. It was really weird. Did you see the pictures of him um, signing his contract? I did. It, it felt... It didn't look right. You know what this did? This confirmed alternate universes. I really do feel like that, you know, the time time continuum just shattered. Um, and we're living in a perpetual universe that is just, it's diverted. We're in yeah. a different place. Shout out Musa and Ryan from Stadio. They know about the variants. Oh, the variants are the problem. You, you've got to watch those guys. Okay. Um, is there anybody else you want to talk about, Luke? I don't think so. I think that's enough time on individual players. So okay. um, we'll end up, we'll wrap on... Uh, the managers that we think might be a good fit for the USMNT post Greg Burhalter, hopefully. Yep, hopefully. We are back. We're going to be discussing some managers that we think would be a good fit for the USMNT um, and our little baby eagles to help them fly in a beautiful yet effective way. So the first manager that I want to – thank you, thank you. I just came up with that, so – or put it in a podcast. That's an idea. Even better. <laughs> but the manager that I want to highlight initially, that is my main candidate, that I think would be a really interesting fit for the USMNT, is Mauricio Pochettino. And let me explain why I think this would be a good fit. So Pochettino has managed at some really big clubs throughout the course of his career. Um, he started out in the, I believe it was a Spanish league. Yeah, he, that was his first managing position. He started out Espanola, 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 excuse me, in La Liga, um, and then from there he moved to Southampton, and then one of his big, more notable um, managerial stints was with Tottenham Hotspur. Um, that was for about f about five seasons or so. He. Managed to, uh, you know, oversee about 293 matches. So that's a very extended 
long run. I mean, he almost made Tottenham win a cup. He was very close, Can yeah. you imagine? Uh, yeah. The fate is not in your favor at that club, unfortunately. Um, but so after that, he moved on to PSG, um, where then he was sacked on July 5th of 2022. Ever since then, he's been without a job. Um, I really, I, I do not know how he's spending his free time, but I'm sure it's something revolving around football. And he's probably just biding his time for the right fit, um, making sure that the next move that he makes is exactly right for his career, his personal life, all of those variables considered. America's beautiful. It is, but he wouldn't be spending much time here probably unless... You know, we don't even have to qualify, so I imagine a lot of our matches will be. Well, I take that back. Copa America will be here in the United States, so yeah, I think he'd actually he would be spending some time here. Um, but okay, so let's get back to Pochettino and why I think he'd be a great fit for the USMNT. So Pochettino has a very high pace, aggressive style that he likes his players to play. They're pressing, um, depending on who they're playing. Sometimes it is almost a full 90 of pressing, all-out energy um, in your face, force other teams to go on the outside and go wide. Um, and I think this could be a good fit for our big Eagles because we have a lot of talent, a lot of players with high motors, high energy. We're a very young team. Um, I would imagine by the time 2026 rolls around, we have even more depth and you know, if we're throwing our players out there, say, go press, play as hard as you could, push it to the limit, and just put in 60 minutes. And then we cycle through into a new group of really talented, very skillful players as well. I think that could be a great, great mix for our our little baby Eagles. I don't know. I think it depends, Luke. Um, if the problem with that, I, I don't like the... 60 minutes and out type approach. I I want our best players on the pitch for as long as possible. So I, I was just saying that. I think that he doesn't necessarily manage in that way. But from my perspective, I see that as, you know, we're, we're pushing. We're going to be very aggressive. We're not going to restrain ourselves. Um, some people can do that for 90 minutes. Others, 60, 70 is about where they need to draw the line if they're going to play in that way. Well, it's possible. It is. I think, for me, the number one candidate that we should go for is Jesse Marsh. I think he it's low-hanging fruit. Yeah, it makes too much sense. But if you look at the play style that he showcases with Leeds week in, week out, I think our players would thrive in that system. There's We, we have the center backs to play the way he wants to play. We have the wingers to attack the way he wants to attack. We have the midfield to play the way he wants to play. I think it fits. And I mean, our our midfield currently plays for him at his club, that's, essentially. That's so saying, it's, it's a good fit. They know each other very well. And it, to me, like, he, I, I think as a manager, I honestly do, did not hate Burhalter and everything. Understanding just him as a manager, yes, he made questionable decisions, but I think he set us up in a way to let people be successful. I don't think he gave people the necessary steps to be the best versions of themselves within our system. But I mean, I think Jesse Marsh's system kind of, I, I think it pushes players 
to a place where they can really showcase their skills and our attack and talent. I mean, that's what I think we really have is, I mean, we have a team that's full of very good young attackers, and we need to let them just ball out. Let them play. Let them go out there and do what they want to do in a, in a structured system, of course, not just everybody running everywhere. But, I mean, we there's, there's, there's so much talent. There is, and I think on a more broad note, without saying individual names or this manager is going to be the best fit for the USMNT, it it kind of needs to be understood that I think what we're broadly pushing for is a more progressive mentality that really kind of places value upon being aggressive, pushing teams, making them get in uncomfortable situations, and ideally getting easy goals out of that. That that's really what's gonna take United States to the next level when they're playing these top tier teams like, you know, the Netherlands, um, Belgium, England. But also it's gonna help when we play against the kind of lower tier teams that we're gonna play in CONCACAF. Because if we can press them, get them uncomfortable, get easy goals, when we're playing down in Costa Rica on a night where it's raining and the pitch is disgusting and all these different variables are going on. If we can get some easy goals out of that, that's going to change how we play. Yeah, I agree. I'm tired of the CONCACAF bullshit. I think we're at the point where our team is head and shoulders above everybody besides Mexico and Canada. We should go into these games in CONCACAF-type environments with the sole intention of beating people 5-0, 4-0 every match because it, it – it it's not a level playing field from talent from a talent perspective. And yes, I understand the dark the dark arts that go on in CONCACAF and everything that happens. But I mean, we're we're just we're head and shoulders better than that. I agree. I think there is a pretty big gap between um, skill wise speaking from the U.S., Canada, and Mexico with the rest of the competition in CONCACAF. But these sides have learned how to play against the three top dogs of CONCACAF. And they know they sit back, they bide their time, and they try to take their chances when they can. So I really think that that ability to nick a goal here and there would make the world a difference and make the players' lives easier by not having to press as hard um, whenever we do get into qualifying again and all that after 2026. Um, but it also makes my life easier so I don't have to stress out about these matches. Agreed, agreed. I should have been wearing a heart monitor during the World Cup. I'm glad I wasn't. <laughs> it would have been bad. There were a couple of nights I selectively left my Apple Watch off. Yeah, <laughs> just because I did, I did not want to see that massive spike. Um, that that's something that I'd rather, you know, be aware of that's happening, but not see the actual underlying data behind it. So, um, but Paul, do you have any closing thoughts on the USMNT before we wrap this? Um, I think just kind of looking forward. I want to see. Uh, I, I guess this kind of goes without being said, but see health from all our players in different places. Like honestly, want to see Christian Pulisic get back healthy. He, I saw maybe an early March return date or somewhere along those lines. That hopefully we can get him back healthy playing for Chelsea because he'll be there for till the end of the summer. And then just let's see how Weston McKinney does at least. See how he fits in. See what happens. Um, I personally think he's just gonna he's gonna take off. I think he's gonna do great there. I have full full faith in Weston to just absolutely kill it there in Leeds. 
I agree. I agree. I think it's going to be a really good fit for him. Um, it seems like an environment and an atmosphere where he can grow as a player, but also as a person too. Um, he, I think he's going to be a great fit. I'm very excited for all of our baby Eagles to be playing in one spot. The viewing is going to be amazing. It's going to be a great experience. I think that is going to do it for the week for us. Um, be looking out for a podcast coming out next week. Um, so that'll be probably Monday or so when that'll come out is what we're thinking. Um, we'll wrap and kind of go over game week 22. Um, kind of overview what happened with the weekend and Premier League and some FPL action as well. Um, but if you get a chance, go check us out on Twitter. Um, our Twitter handle is at Top Ben Twins. Um, if you pull up the profile, you'll see our picture um, from Premier League Mornings Live. Um, and yeah, so I think that'll do it from us here. So I hope that you all enjoyed the podcast and we look forward to sharing more of our time with you all later in the week. Thank you and have a great rest of your day or evening or whatever you're up to. Thank you.